Inspired by the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity, this podcast is about why I believe what I believe. Welcome to Bear Christianity. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to preach at a church where I grew up. Uh, Today's episode is the audio from that sermon, so you can also watch it on YouTube if you want. Uh, Just see the episode notes for a link. But let me explain a few things first. They had some technical difficulties at the very beginning, so the first few minutes are missing, uh, but I will fill you in on that missing information. So if you're going to jump to YouTube, just hang on just a second and let me fill you in on just the the intro, basically. Uh, Also, in studying and preparing for this message, it was a lot of fun, but I also learned a lot from the process. If you have not thanked your pastor lately, I would encourage you to do so. There is a lot more pressure than I ever imagined when you are preparing to preach. You're responsible for explaining the Word of God to others and encouraging them to live it out. It's a week of spiritual warfare, and your pastors are fighting that every single week. So uh, thank them and remember them in prayer for sure. Uh, I thought it would kind of be like preparing a podcast, which I'm used to by now, but it took so much more time to prepare this this sermon. So uh, anyway, the main text of this sermon is Mark 2, verses 1 through 12, and I've pasted it into the episode notes. So if if you're not driving, uh, you can refer to those verses if needed. Also, I'm going to read it for you in the next few minutes as well. Um, So here's the part that's missing uh, from the, the very beginning of the sermon. First, I thank the church for the opportunity to share with them. Many of the members of this church taught me as a boy in Sunday school, so I thank them for their faithfulness to God in, in that work. I was baptized in that church, and so I, I mentioned that as a, as a memory there as well. Uh, after that brief little intro, I prayed, and then I asked them to turn in their Bibles to Mark chapter 2. While they were finding Mark 2 in their Bibles, I gave them a little bit of the context. So in Mark chapter 1, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, he's tempted by Satan in the wilderness, and then Jesus begins his earthly ministry. In Mark's gospel, the first miracle mentioned is Jesus casting out a demon, and the Jewish people are amazed at this, but also at the way Jesus is teaching with his own authority. He's different from other teachers. And so the other teachers were teaching from the authority of the law of Moses, but Jesus says things like this, you've heard it has been said, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments. But then Jesus says this, but I say to you, if you lust after a woman, you have already committed adultery in your heart. So notice that Jesus' authority, he said, you have heard it said, referring to the law of Moses, but then Jesus says, but I say to you. So he's teaching with his own authority. Now, Jesus not only cast out demons, but then he travels to many villages in Galilee, preaching the word and healing all kinds of sickness and disease. And so after making his rounds in these villages, he's become extremely popular and he returns to like his home camp in Capernaum. And this is where our main passage comes in. So again, it's Mark 2 verses 1 through 12, and and I'll read it for you. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, 
son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned him within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. I entitled this sermon, Focus on Forgiveness. So when I was preaching, I, I repeated this a few times. And then other than the verses, the only PowerPoint slide that I had on the screen behind me the whole time was just this phrase, focus on forgiveness. In case you're listening to this and you don't know much about me, I'm an eye doctor. So to, to sort of open things up, I use this illustration. A lot of people come to my office because their vision is blurry and so they're aware that they have a problem. They, they know they have a problem, and they're coming to me, and most of the time they're thinking, okay, I just need him to give me some new glasses so that I can see better. Uh, but sometimes what happens is it's not actually new glasses that they need. Their vision is blurry because they have cataracts. And so their diagnosis is wrong when they're, when they're thinking about what they need from me. Their diagnosis is wrong. They come to me thinking that I just need to give them some glasses so they can see better. But what's truly wrong is, is a deeper problem, and that is that they have cataracts. And so here's, here's the great thing, though. With cataract surgery, what the surgeon does is they remove that cataract, which is like a, a cloudy lens, internal. It's inside the eye. They remove that lens, and then the surgeon puts an implant back inside the eye. And here's the catch. The surgeon can can sort of pick the power implant that you need. So if you have really thick glasses, you won't have thick glasses anymore because they can take some a lot of that power and and put it in the implant inside your eye. And so it, it can be a really big benefit for a lot of people. So some people come to me thinking that they just need thicker, stronger glasses, and that that's because they have the wrong diagnosis. And But then with the correct diagnosis, they actually sometimes don't need glasses at all, or if they do need glasses, it's a very thin, light prescription. So it can be, cataracts can be a blessing after having cataract surgery. And so that, that's, I really um, emphasize that, that people come to me thinking that they need one thing, but then they, what they actually need is, is solution to a deeper problem. However, once the deeper problem is fixed, then the benefit is much better. Again, they, they may not even need glasses at all, or if they do need glasses, it's a very thin prescription, whereas before they had very thick glasses. So that's the, the illustration, and that catches you up. That's the part that was missing. I think some sort of battery pack or something with the camera went down. Um, so they, they were trying to fix that and replace that. So once they got the video and audio recording again, this is where the YouTube video picks up. And so when the YouTube video begins, it's sort of right in mid-thought. And what I'm doing is I'm laying out my three main points for the sermon. And, and here they are. It's the treatment that we seek, the treatment that we find, 
and why Jesus' treatment is better. So you'll hear me say that on the video as well and, and in the uh, audio that I'm getting ready to play here. So I hope you are encouraged and challenged by this sermon and that you learn something from God's Word. And again, it's called Focus on Forgiveness. So at this point, you can just stay right here, and I'm going to play the audio from that sermon, or you can find the link in the episode notes, and you can go to YouTube and, and watch it there. So, all right, thanks for listening each week. And uh, certainly email me if you have any questions, and that's at bearchristianity at gmail.com, or you can message me on Instagram at the real bear martin. Okay, enjoy. The treatment that we find and why Jesus' treatment is better. The treatment that we seek, the treatment that we find, and why Jesus' treatment is better. You and I are misdiagnosing our problem, and a bad diagnosis leads to a pursuit of of the wrong treatment. This yields frustrating results and, sen- and and then also a sense that the treatment is not working. Okay? So you and I, we, we are misdiagnosing our actual problem and so then we think that the treatment's not working and then we get frustrated. Something's wrong. Something's not right. That's okay? And so your job today is to listen and to figure out how you are misdiagnosing your problems. Okay? All right, now, the treatment that we seek. In our story here, this, this is a, a story of a paralytic in the first century. There's no medical devices really to help him out besides a mat and maybe a sling or, you know. So there, there's nothing there. There's, he has no career. He can't work. Uh, he is a beggar. But he hears, so, so he's, it's hopeless. Now, was he born uh, paralyzed? Or did he become paralyzed? We don't know. But this is a hopeless situation. He's just bound to this mat forever. That's it. And he knows it. And then, imagine you hear this rumor of this guy named Jesus, and he's traveling around. The guy's healing everybody. And so now you're thinking, well, I know my problem. Okay, my problem, my diagnosis is I'm paralyzed. And the treatment is, I got to get to this Jesus guy. Okay, so that, that's what he—that's what he's seeking after. The treatment is to get to Jesus. Now he's paralyzed. So how's he going to do it? Well, we got four men here that are willing to carry him. And a lot of times we just assume they're his friends, and I think that's fine. It could just be four sort of good Samaritan type people. You know, one guy sees this crippled man, knows Jesus is over there. Crippled man's right here. Jesus is healing people. Says, "Hey, you know, come here, help me out. Let's let's take this guy to Jesus." Whatever the case may be, these guys are committed. And we know that from the story. They are all in. The, this, this is what this guy needs. This paralytic knows he needs to get to Jesus. The four guys taking him knows he needs to get to Jesus. And so they're going to get there. Now, they, they encounter a problem, right? They get there, and the, the home that Jesus is teaching out of is so crowded that it says they're pouring out of the door. They can't get in. Now, if you're one person, if you're blind or you got a bum arm or something like that, if you can walk... You know, you can kind of shimmy through the crowd, and people may get irritated. You can make yourself in there. But four guys carrying a stretcher are not getting into a house that's packed so full of people they're spilling out the door. So it's just not happening for this man. And then some of you men have been in these situations before. You get some a group of guys together with a common goal, and one of them says, Hey, I got an idea. I got an idea of what we can do. Let's, let's, I've, Addison and I have had some of those ideas. Yeah. So, so, um, so I've got an idea. Let's get up on the roof. We'll rip a hole in the roof and we'll lower them down right in front of Jesus. And so, so that's what they decide to do. They are committed. 
That is the treatment that they are seeking. The diagnosis is I'm paralyzed and the treatment is I need to get to Jesus. So that's the treatment that they're seeking. Now, here's how this applies to us. We have problems, and we know we have problems. We have problems with family. We have problems with finances. We have problems with kids. We have problems with marriages. We have work problems. We have political and world conflict problems. We have problems, and and everybody knows it. We have problems. So that's our diagnosis. We have these problems, and the treatment is we got to get to Jesus. And how do we get to Jesus? Jesus is not walking around into all these towns. He, He is risen. How do we get to Jesus? Well, we read our Bible. We pray. We go to church. That is how, that, that's our treatment. That's how we get to Jesus. Our diagnosis is that we're, we're, we have these problems, and our treatment is to get to Jesus. Now, another thing we can learn real quick is from these four f- friends. Now, they are committed. Like I said, they are, are, they are willing to rip the roof off of the situation to get this man to Jesus. Personally, is there a burden? Do you have someone in your life, a, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, you know they need Jesus. What excuses are you making? Are you willing to rip the roof off of the situation and get them to Jesus? What is this church willing to do to get people to Jesus? You know, what, what relationships are broken that need healing um, in your life? What, what financial issues, what are you willing to do to rip the roof off of things and get people to Jesus? And so... You know, that's what that's how this can apply to us. Now, here's the catch. Here's the catch. We, uh, this is all good stuff. Reading your Bible, praying, going to church, it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. But our diagnosis is our earthly problems so far. That's, you know, okay? So if the diagnosis is earthly problems and your treatment is, I got to read the Bible more. I got to pray more. I got to get to church. If I just do that, all my earthly problems will will go away that's the treatment for it the the catch is that we are seeking new glasses when there's actually a deeper there's a deeper problem here there's a deeper problem for this paralytic man okay and so that's where so that's the treatment that we seek that's the treatment the paralytic man is seeking and the four friends are seeking for him they're seeking treatment for his earthly problem now the next point is the treatment that we find So, they tear a hole in the roof, they're lowering the man, and, you know, imagine this scene. The, you know, at first, debris starts falling, what in the world's going on up there? And then, you, they're ripping the, the hole in the roof. And the guys down below, they're, they're probably yelling up, hey, what are you doing down here? You know, what are you doing down here? It's falling down on them. And so, the, you know, Jesus, maybe Jesus tries to keep teaching, or whatever, they're like, okay, go ahead, Jesus, you know, keep teaching. And, and it's, it's just not going to happen. There's debris falling down, there's a commotion. So eventually, it's just like, okay, what, you know, let's wait for these guys to get the, the hole open. And so they start lowering him down, and Jesus walks over. Now, Jesus has been healing everybody. So Jesus walks over, and everybody's going, oh, here we go, here we go. And Jesus looks at him, and, and I just, in my mind, you know, I just picture Jesus kneels down. Maybe, maybe he looks at this guy's body, you know, his, when, when you're paralyzed, your muscles, they're not being used. So your muscles are, they're, they're frail, they're pretty much gone, just skin and bones. His muscles are atrophied, and Jesus looks at his body. Um, maybe, you know, and I, and I just see Jesus sort of looking him right in the eyes, and he says this, Son, your sins are forgiven. And everybody says, What? What did he just say? And you know, I, I think about the four friends. You know, they're they're wiping the sweat off. They you know they've hoisted this 
dead weight up this, you know, up the ladder onto the house, torn off the roof, and they're peering in, they're waiting to see this miracle, and then they're, they're looking at each other like, what did he just say? Huh? What's happening? And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And so you may be thinking, and, and the reader, when, when you're reading this story, it's like, well, that's kind of a random thing. I mean, great, but it's what is going on here? Well, that's where some, some cultural context can come into mind. In John 9, John 9, the disciples are walking by a man, and it says the man was born blind. And the disciples, now this is not the, the arrogant, self-righteous Pharisees. These are the disciples of Jesus that say, Rabbi, or Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind, him or his parents? And Jesus says, nobody. And, well, I mean, they've sinned, of course, but no, it's, that's not why he's blind. Jesus says that the, the, the glory, of, that God may be glorified in this situation, then Jesus heals him. Okay, so, but you hear the assumption there? Who sinned? This man or his parents? Because it's got to be sin is the reason he's born blind. A physical ailment in that culture was because of sin. Also, the Jewish Talmud is a uh, it's recordings of oral teachings from the rabbis. And there's a, a popular Jewish Talmud that says no one gets up from his sickbed until all his sins are forgiven. So that's the mindset. And so imagine being a paralytic in this culture. There's got to be a, a sense of guilt, of sin on your life that somehow you can't get rid of. And that's why you're still paralyzed. And so, and Jesus, we know Jesus is going to perceive the thoughts of what the scribes were thinking in just a second. So Jesus just as well could perceive that this man has a, a sense of guilt in his life and, and of, of sin on his life. And so Jesus goes for the deeper problem. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, this, uh, I want you to notice a few different things about this. Notice Jesus' claim. This, when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, he is, he is saying, right, he's saying, right now I am taking your sin away. Your sin is forgiven. This, and, and that's what the scribes know because they say he's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. So this is not just Jesus, you know, kind of like if, if someone's doubting their salvation and they, they go to the pastor, hey, pastor, I need to talk with you. And the pastor, you know, asks them some questions and the pastor knows them well enough to, to know, you know, that, that there is fruit of, a, of Christianity, that they love the Lord. The pastor may say, you know, based on what I see and what I've heard from you, you know, I, th I think you're saved. I, I think you're a Christian. This is not what Jesus is saying. This is this is even, uh, much greater than that. Jesus is saying, I'm right now. I, I'm removing your sin. So notice Jesus' claim there. Also, notice that they say this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. That's what the scribes are saying. Blasphemy is is dishonor or rejection. Okay, dishonor or rejection. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, it says that people walk by and they, my translation says they derided him or maybe it says they mocked him. Well, that word there is the same Greek word for blaspheme. So they are dishonoring Jesus hanging on the cross. They're mocking him. So it's to dishonor or reject. Now, when you blaspheme against God, they say, you know, no, who can forgive sins except God alone? So blaspheming God it, sometimes it's because Jesus claimed to do things that only God does. And so they're saying he is a blasphemer. And so when, you, when, when they say when, when only God can forgive sin and Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven, he's claiming to do what only God can do. And that's a dishonor towards God. If, if God's the only one that can, can uh, forgive sin and a man strolls up and says, oh, well, God can do that, but I can do that too. That's dishonoring God unless... <laughs> He's God in the flesh. 
Okay? And so, so that's, that's what blasphemy is. Now, why can only God forgive sins? This, I, can, I can explain this in a real easy illustration. Let's pretend Addison, I hate, Addison and I are buddies. So I hate Addison's not here today. He's out of town. Let's say that he got done playing, and I walked up here, and I grabbed his guitar, and I just hit it up against this, broke it into pieces. Okay? And then, Brother Wayne comes up, and he says, you know what, Barrett? I know you broke Addison's guitar into pieces, but I forgive you. Well, Addison's going, you can't forgive him. He, he broke my guitar. That, that offense is against me. He committed a sin against me. Wayne can't forgive Barrett for what he did to Addison. Addison's got to be the one to forgive. So only God can forgive sin because ultimately all sin is rebellion and rejection against God. So that's, that, that's why this is such a big deal for these Jewish leaders. Only God can forgive sin. Th- their question, who is this saying this? Only God can forgive sin. That is correct. Their, their theology is correct. It's just they don't know who they're, who they're talking about. Now, how do we apply this to our life? I've said before, this is the treatment that we find, and it is a better treatment. Jesus is getting at the deeper problem. Paul Washer is a missionary and an evangelist, and I love what he said, talking about Genesis 3. And he's talking about that we have these earthly problems because of the curse of sin. And he said, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, the curse, you know, there's going to be thorns, and there's going to be pain in childbirth, and man is going to have to labor. And, and things start breaking down. Things die. Everything is less attractive in creation after sin compared to what it was before sin. But what are those problems? They are a reminder of sin, and they, and they push us back to searching for someone to fix it. We, you know, something is wrong here. Something is wrong, and it pushes us back to know that we need someone to fix it. So earthly problems shift our focus onto someone who can fix it. And according to Jesus, we have a deeper problem, and that problem is sin. Now... We've seen the treatment we seek, the treatment we find, and then lastly, why Jesus' treatment is better. Well, I've already mentioned it. Jesus' treatment fixes the true problem. Jesus said, you come to Jesus, you're, you know, like for our illustration, you come in, I think I need new glasses. Nope, you've got cataracts. You've got a deeper problem, but guess what? After, after we get done with cataract surgery, that's going to be a much better treatment. That's going to be more than you ever thought you needed at first. So Jesus' treatment is better because it fixes the problem. Now, what did Jesus, this is important, what did Jesus fix first for this paralytic man? What did he fix first? He fixed sin. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, the earthly problem, the paralysis, what was the purpose of Jesus healing that? Healing the paralysis was evidence of what Jesus had already done. Okay, healing the paralysis was evidence of what Jesus has done. Jesus says, you want proof? He says, which is easier? This is in verse 9. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know, here's your proof, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin, and he says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home, and, and verse 12 says, and he rose immediately. All right, And so, so Jesus gives us proof. That means that when Jesus said, sons, your sins are forgiven, that was done. And then now healing the paralysis is just evidence of that. It's just proof of that. So I, I just imagine, you know, as, as, as Jesus says, you know, 
rise, get up. Those those legs, the maybe they he instantly had muscle. He gets up and walks out of there. So just what a what an incredible miracle. And again, the leaders are left with this decision. Okay, is this is this man blaspheming or who is this man? Is this God in the flesh? Now, let me ask you a question. Just, let's just think about this. What if the story ended? What if the, it, we're reading our Bible, we open to Mark 2, and what if the story ended with, Son, your sins are forgiven? And then it goes right in. My, the ne- next little section in my Bible is, Jesus calls Levi to be a disciple. What if it ended right there? Son, your sins are forgiven. Would we still be amazed? At what happened? At what Jesus did? Will we still be amazed? Would that be enough for us? What's more important as we read this story? And this it happens to me too. You read this story and at the end of it you think, man, that would be pretty cool to see that guy get a paralyzed guy get up and walk out of the room. But what should strike us as being more important? It's the forgiveness of sin. We greatly undervalue forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We seek treatment for earthly problems, and we think that that is the biggest issue. And our treatment, again, our treatment is, if I just, you know, I got, I got family problems, I got problems with my kids, grandkids, finances, you know, maybe I need to read my Bible more. Maybe I need to pray. Maybe I need to do more at church. Maybe I need to, uh, you know, to get involved in more programs. But if, if, that, if you're doing that as a treatment for your earthly problem, it's going to be a failed treatment most of the time. And a failed treatment will lead to doubt, and then eventually it'll leave you searching for something else. If someone comes to me and I say, this is the problem, and take this medicine, and they don't get better, the next time they come in, they're not trusting me quite as much. And then eventually, they're not going to see me anymore. They're going somewhere else. I, I've given Dr. Martin a try, and he ain't fixed me, so i got to seek something else. And so I, this is a problem in Christianity today. Th- this is a, a burden that I have for Christians, is that people are trying out Jesus. People are trying out reading the Bible, praying, going to church, religion. You know, I've got these issues in my life, and, you know, like I hear this all the time from patients. Uh, it'll be someone my age and hey what you doing this weekend oh you know our kids got something going on at church or whatever and they say you know i really need to get my family back in church we've been having some you know we've been having some problems lately we, we just need to get back in church well great i mean there's nothing <laughs> good okay you have a better chance of hearing about the forgiveness of sins in church but if if your if your goal of reading the bible praying getting in church is to fix your earthly problems that will lead to doubt And that will leave you searching for something else, another religion, another book, another method, you know, or just no, or atheism. It will leave you searching for something else. Here's where it comes in. We've got to focus on forgiveness of sins. Focus on forgiveness. When you read the Bible and your focus is not, okay, God, you see what I'm doing here? I got up 15 minutes early and I'm reading my Bible. And then guess what I'm going to do for you, God? I'm going to pray. All right? And then we're going to go to church on Sunday. And we might even go Sunday night. And so, so you know, you see what I'm doing here, God? Now, i got this financial thing over here I need fixed. Okay? 
Th that's, that's the wrong way to approach it. That's the wrong treatment. But if you read the Bible focusing on how wonderful forgiveness of sins is, and, and the Bible is just this overarching story of how we sinned and rebelled against God and what God has done to forgive us of sin. When you read the Bible like that, you, you, it's not boring. It's, it's interesting. It's, it, it's, it gives life. When you pray with that fervor, when you pray thanking God for the forgiveness of sins, there's life in that. You're not coming to God, you know, thinking that he owes you something. You are praying because you realize who you were and who you are now if you know Christ is your Savior, if your sins have been forgiven. The same thing with church. When you come into church and, and you realize that we are all sinners saved by grace, we, we, need, we need to be forgiving to one another because God has get, forgiven us. When you come to church with that mentality versus, well, I need to go to church because I got some, got some issues in my own life that I need, I need worked out. When you, that's a, that's a, diff, a whole different ballgame. You're focusing on forgiveness. And I think that is the way to better understand your problem. If you better understand your problem, you will have the proper diagnosis and you will see results. You will see the proper results. An, ex an example here would be marriage. You know, if you if you're if you have a str if you're struggling in marriage, and you're reading the Bible, praying, going to church, and you're like, okay, God, we're going to church, and man, I hope that pastor gives something good to my spouse today. She needs, you know, she needs to learn something, right? <laughs> um, as a side note, I thought about preaching on wives submit to your husbands, but I, I decided against that uh, verse. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, so you know, in marriage, if you if you come at it that way, you know, I'm going to do these things, and so hopefully my earthly problem here will will get fixed. That's the wrong way. But when you come, when you're focusing on forgiveness, and, and you and you evaluate your marriage, you realize, man, I mess up a lot, and God has forgiven me. How much more should I forgive my spouse? When they mess up, and how much have they forgiven me of all the stuff that I'm doing? That's a, that's a true, that's a better treatment. Now, the, the critic may say, well, all that sounds really good, but I still have cancer. I still have financial problems. We still have world conflict. We still have to deal with COVID. And I want to ask you this. Think about what Jesus said. Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, stand up, get, pick up your mat, and go home? Which is easier for Jesus to say, be healed of your cancer? Or, not my will, but thine be done? Which is easier for Jesus to say, you don't have COVID anymore. You don't have any effects from COVID anymore. Or, Father, forgive them. Well, they don't know what they're doing. And that they said, he said that as they're nailing them to the cross, which is easier for Jesus to say, again, cancer, financial problems, all that, be healed. Or the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know how easy it is for God to heal physical, earthly problems? How easy it is to fix that? It's pretty easy. He just says, rise. Take up your mat. Go home. Lazarus, come out of there. He's walking along. Oh, Jesus, I've got this servant back, you know, a couple villages away, and he's sick, and he's about to die. Oh, he's healed. 
That's how easy it is for Jesus to heal your earthly problems. That's how easy it is. But it took a lot more for Jesus to forgive you of your sins. It took in 2 Corinthians 5:21 it says he made him sin to be or he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That's talking about Jesus. That we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Basically, there's a great exchange there. Jesus comes. He lives a perfect life, the life that we should be living, obeying the Lord. Jesus lives a perfect life and then dies on the cross, takes the penalty for our sin. And he trades places with us. Jesus says, I give you the credit for my perfect life. I give you that to your account. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see our own sin. He sees the perfection of Jesus Christ. That's what happens there. That's how Jesus forgives sin. And so, you know, back to our our earthly problems. Let's say, okay, I I get it. Again, I get it, Barrett. I, I trust Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins, but I still have these issues. The paralytic man, he got both. He, you know, he got forgiveness of sins and he was healed. Well, again, how easy is it for Jesus to heal our physical problems? How easy is it? Very easy. And so, if you've trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of of your sin, and you're pursuing Him, focused on forgiveness, and you still have earthly problems, then there's got to be a pretty good reason that you still got them. Because Jesus can fix them if He wants to. And so, you know, is He not strong enough? Is He not loving enough? There is a reason that, that God has given you the issues that you have in your life. Focusing on forgiveness changes our perspective and and it it, it causes us to trust God's purpose Saul was forgiven of much he killed Christians and then he was saved dramatically he was forgiven of much but what did Paul have he had a thorn in the flesh and he kept praying and and just a little side note some people think that it was an eye problem but anyway um, he had a thorn in the flesh and he kept praying to God God take this away from me and eventually comes to the conclusion that that's not God's will. Jacob wrestled with God, and God touched his hip and put it out of joint. And, it's, and the Bible says David walked with a limp, or David, Jacob walked with a limp the rest of his life. And you got to think, every morning he crawled out of bed or off of his mat and out of his tent, and he's, oh, man, she's stiff today. I remember back in the day. When I was wrestling with God, you know, it's a reminder of what, of, of where God brought Jacob, who was called deceiver. And now he is named Israel. And, and you know, there we have the, the 12 tribes of Israel. So it's a reminder of what God has done. Our, our problems, if we're focused on forgiveness, have a, a different perspective to them. They're still problems. They're still difficult. I'm not saying that, uh, that it's not difficult, but it's a different perspective. It's a, a different approach. If you have forgiveness, you have everything you need. Maybe not everything you want, but you have everything you need. The proper diagnosis is sin. The treatment is forgiveness that is only found in Jesus. And the result is to live a life that glorifies God. People try to come to Jesus by reading the Bible, praying, and coming to church. But these are not lucky charms used to treat your earthly problems. It's a deeper issue. Trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and you too will have the proper treatment. You will hear, son or daughter, your sins are forgiven. 
And I'd like to, to close with just a, a psalm of praise. This is one of my favorites, Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. If you don't know that you have forgiveness in Jesus Christ, then please find me after this service or one of the leaders in this church. And we certainly would love to talk with you about that. Find forgiveness. That's, that's the problem. Sin is the problem and you need forgiveness. And so let's, uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this time that we've been able to gather and to worship you. I just pray that that um, what was said today would just sink into all of our hearts. Lord, help us to have a different perspective as we uh, as we grow closer to you, Lord. Give us strength as we face the difficulties of the world and help us to realize that, that you have a purpose in all of that, that we can trust in you. And any time that we doubt you, we, we look back at to what you've done on the cross for our sins, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.